This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies from first-time directors, indie, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we talk the 2015 directorial debut, Bone Tomahawk, from filmmaker S. Craig Zaylor, starring Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, and Lily Simmons. During the turn of the 19th century, even the Old West is changing, maybe even dying. But the elderly Sheriff Hunt, played by Kurt Russell, holds on to his Old West ways after his town's doctor, Samantha, is kidnapped at the hands of cannibalistic cave dwellers known as troglodytes. The Sheriff, alongside Samantha's crippled husband, Arthur, Old Man Chicory, and the gunslinging hustler, Bruder, set off to rescue Samantha and Deputy Nick from the enigmatic and savage cave dwellers. What follows is a journey into hell. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined by co-host and veteran podcaster and editor, Alan Martindale. Alan, how the hell are you today? Oh, dude, it's Bone Tomahawk Day. I'm so, I'm so happy. I love this movie so much. This was your pick. This was my pick. I love it for, and I've seen it, this third time I've seen it. Every time I love something new about it. So I know when you when you give your your uh, grading at the end, you always take into account rewatchability. Well, this is like I, I this movie, I get something new out of it every single time. It's got the layers. It does. It really does. It really does. I, I love this movie so much. Well, I can't say that the first 20 minutes I was overly thrilled to be watching the film. <laughs> Not even with Sid Haig. No. Oh, dude, Sid Haig! I the first time I saw this, he, he I was, was he was great. It, 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 he's the old. He feels like an old prospector. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, and it works. But and he, um, when I saw him the first time, I was so pissed off that they killed him off so early that I was like the re- like it took me about half the movie before I kind of got over it because I love Sid Haig so much. Like Captain Spaulding is one of the best characters in all of horror. <laughs> from House of a Thousand Corpses. He is so good. And also from The Devil's Rejects. But uh, well, the, it, 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 these are definitely your your horror enthusiast totally, bi- biases coming into play. A hundred percent. And that's no, okay. Not, that's okay. I'm not even ashamed of it at all. Like it is a hundred percent for real. I mean, he's great. He's the old prospector at the beginning of the film. He definitely keeps it light, keeps it fun. He's he's a great actor. I mean, he does a great job. Um but beyond that, and I'll give you that. I'll give you the little bit of, okay, that first little bit with Sid in it, there's some charisma. Mm-hmm. But uh, that first 20 minutes, it's hard to swallow because I actually enjoy traditional Westerns, right? If you look, and that's how it starts to me, mm-hmm. which is it feels very traditionalist, very John Ford, very 1940s stagecoach. Yep. Like it's just introducing... Uh, you know, these different types of stereotypical Western characters. Right. Um, and that's okay. But for some reason, I just wasn't getting behind it in that first little bit. That's interesting. Cause to me, that kind of said, I guess that makes sense because, well, in, let, let's say this, David Arquette, actually, I was surprised how much I liked his performance. Cause I see him and immediately I'm thinking, oh God, 
you know, but he actually, I thought he was really good in the, in the short you know, time he was on screen. I thought he was really good. After you watch the film all the way through, you start to realize, I mean, I always think of David Arquette primarily as screen. Totally. And I'm sure, I, I think, I think he and Sid Haig, I think that's a nod to horror fans. I don't know. That's, but that's I, it, what it I was alluding. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was alluding to like, is you, is because the beginning of the film, this is a hybrid. You start going, okay, this is a Western traditionally, and then things change and they change a complete direction, 180. And you start going, this is not just a Western, this is a horror film as well. Right, right. Well, I, and I think they set that up. I, the thing I like about this is it's very much a Western. I love Westerns. Like Tombstone is a, one of my favorite movies. I love just kind of the campy traditional Westerns. But this one, it almost like it took all the glamour and the romanticism out of the Western. Like usually when you're when you're watching a Western and they go into a saloon, it's hopping, the music's playing, you got the girls, you got people playing poker. And in this one, you go in and it's just silence. And it's depressing. And I think they take all the glamour out of out of the Western and almost it almost makes it a little bit more realistic too. Yeah, it definitely has an authenticity to it. Yeah. It's not it's not popped up. I mean, there are other, you know, Tombstone probably has a little bit more uh, of that in it. But there's other ones too. You know, look, the Western genre is really quite interesting because, and I'm with you, I actually like Westerns. Um, and I like primarily, I'm, I'm kind of a spaghetti Western guy. And I, I, like, I like a lot of the Sergio Leone stuff with, the, with, the Clint, with Clint Eastwood. You know, I have Fistful of Dollars hanging in this office right now as a poster because I like that kind of stuff um, where it's always kind of style over substance really. There's right, not a whole right. lot of going on in the storyline. It's or at least it's very basic, and then the style and the way that techniques that it's shot in is kind of fun and kind of different. Um, but storylines in westerns are always pretty, pretty, pretty basic. There's not any kind of, you know, huge deviation. I think one one that comes to mind is a Clint Eastwood when you think about something like Unforgiven. Oh, where fantastic, fantastic film. Complete anti-hero. And it kind of flips the Western in a different direction. Because I think a lot of, if you look at like, for me, like you look at Westerns historically, they're kind of set up as, you know, and they were a huge part of Hollywood too. Like you look at the 20s to the 40s or the 50s and Westerns were like a quarter of the films or more being made. They were, they kind of dominated what was being released and they did kind of have an evolution, you know, right. where you had the hero you know, the John Wayne-esque type hero. Even in his later films, he becomes somewhat of an anti-hero. But uh, it kind of evolves from uh, traditional Westerns where they're kind of going out and, and crossing the frontier and getting into the West and trying to, you know, figure things out into the anti-heroes of something like Unforgiven. And then you get something like this, which is a complete deviation from from any of those it's kind of got its own unique western value right definitely i without a doubt and i, I also i kind of like it it almost lulls you into a false sense of security and i love films that kind of do that that subvert your expectations i mean if you want to talk about an extreme version of that from dusk till dawn i think does that really well like it starts out as a crime thriller and it ends up being a gory vampire movie. Like, and it, and it doesn't do it until about 
little over halfway through the movie. And it just, and I just love that turn. And this one does it. I, it's not as abrupt. It's a, it, and I don't want to call it subtle, but it's a little bit more uh, natural in the transition. But um, it does that. And I, I just love it. I love it. And you just lulled into this false sense of security. You think that it's a, a movie about these people trudging through the desert trying to go on a rescue mission. And it just turns into hell on earth. It's, it's incredibly insane. And so to set it up for those listening, it's basically... Uh, you have these frontiermen, they're out there somewhere, it's either Texas or New Mexico. And you have, in this case, you do have somewhat of a traditional character with Kurt Russell as kind of like the sheriff of the small town. And he's kind of a hard-nosed, bitter uh, type of individual, right? Right. And then you have the newly married couple who's kind of out there on the frontier trying to figure things out in in the best way they know how, right? They're kind of cowboys or ranchers. They're just out there doing their thing. And what ends up happening is uh, at the beginning of the, the opening scene with David Arquette and Sid, hey, you have, uh, they've basically looted or stolen, right? Uh, and, and, and they're trying to uh, hide this loot or this still, this still that they've got this. And it ends up being that they uh, Sid dies, like you said, dramatically. You, you, for you, you were heartbroken within the first few minutes because he gets taken out. We're not entirely sure by what you would assume what would be American Indians mm-hmm. or or Native Americans. Um, but uh, then the scene or the story jumps to the small town and it basically just establishes the relationship between uh, Samantha and Arthur, right, right, who right. are basically the the newly married couple. Uh, one's a cowboy rancher, and she happens to be the town medicine woman slash doctor. Um, and they're just trying to figure things out. And then what's, what ends up happening is David Arquette's character is kind of the catalyst. He's, after his friend's been murdered, brutally murdered out in the wilderness, he's kind of stumbled into town with this loot that they had. He hides it. He goes into town. There's suspicion around his character, and Kurt Russell arrives to kind of change the whole direction of the plot. Yeah, and and exa- I mean, exactly, and it's it's just done. Even all the exposition, I loved. Like I loved when they're building, they're trying to explain the relationship between the O'Dwyers, you know, between P- Patrick Wilson and his wife. I, I really thought that was sweet. I think I love how they did it. How he wrote her a love letter, um, and then also, I mean. What more can you say about Richard Jenkins in this movie? He is so good. This, I mean, I haven't seen him in all of his roles, but of the roles I've seen of him, this is by far the best acting job I've seen him do. And I I don't know how he wasn't nominated for something for this, other than the fact that this is probably a horror movie and the Academy doesn't like to to reward horror movies very often. But he was, his character and, and the way he played it was so good. It's hard to believe he's the same guy that's in uh, all these other movies like uh, Cabin in the Woods. And I mean, if you look at his IMDb, it's just it's extensive list. Yeah. But he's his his acting job. That was my favorite performance in this whole film. He's fantastic. His, his character's name's Chicory. And, Chicory. and he's this old kind of I don't want to say he's not even he's not an old curmudgeon. He's just an old man, basically. It, and he just wants to do good in the world. Like he's, yeah, he's he more just, of the, he's the opposite of a curmudgeon. He's very nice and right. sympathetic and 
He's lost and his it, wife and he's trying to figure it out and help people out. He has a good heart. And it feels like Kurt Russell, who plays the sheriff, kind of gave him the the title of assistant deputy just to kind of make him feel good because he wants to be useful, but he's way past his prime. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's not the smartest guy, but he just wants to help. And I think this was a way of kind of pacifying him a little bit, not really thinking that it would ever come to anything. Yeah. And he ends up playing a huge role uh, in, in the in the in this rescue mission and the whole story. And it's, I just everything about that character I love. I, he just it was done so well. I mean, I always revert. I mean, like you said, his IMDb is 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 quite extensive, and I always revert to Step Brothers because yeah, he's right? the, that's how I think of him, right? Where he's the stepfather to Will Ferrell, and uh, he's great in that too, in a comedic way. He's just really good at it. But, it just but, shows his range. It's so it's so deep. Because that is a pretty that's a pretty big uh, spectrum to cross. You have we'll take the one in Step Brothers for example, where it's this real corky, campy kind of uh, stepfather to to your stepson, and it's not overly complex. It's not a, 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 an especially deep character necessarily. Right, uh, fun and funny. Uh, always kind of mad and upset with the the boys because they're too old to. Well, you know the story. But uh, yeah, I think the spectrum, when you look at something like Chicory, yeah, I mean, it shows his, his, his ability as an actor to really, to really spread himself out. Yeah. So, I mean, and back to my original point, I, I like the development of the relationship between he and the sheriff and how they show that he really idolizes the sheriff from the get go. And so even all this exposition and, the, you know, setting people, setting us up to understand what's going on. I, I even enjoyed that. A lot of the time I'll kind of roll my eyes and I, it's, I get the sense from you that this is kind of, these are the parts that you were, you were losing a little bit. Yeah. I was a little bit, a little bit slow for me, which I find ironic mentioning that I do like Westerns and, and typically Westerns as we know, they're just slow in general. So right. you would think that I would be a little bit more patient with it, <laughs> but I think my expectations, I just think the name alone has, it kind of insinuates I don't want to say violence, but it does insinuate some kind of action. You think about Tomahawk or you think like that kind of stuff. You think there's it's going to really get going very quickly. And it didn't initially. And so I was a little bit, a little bit uh, put off. But On the, the movie, op- it does, it does, it does warn you from the very first shot. Because that very first shot is brutal. It's True. David Arquette slicing that guy's throat open. So you know it's going to be rough. Like, you know, you're going to see some stuff, but there's a big lull in between almost to kind of lull you to sleep a little bit and make you forget what's happening here. But you'll wake up. Oh, you'll wake up, man. You'll wake up. <laughs> gets, I, I want to talk. You brought something up about um, uh, uh, chicory and specifically, you know, you're like you're talking uh, about that performance and, and how well it was done and 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 how Richard Jenkins did such a great job and. And, and I agree with all of that. I thought he was fantastic. On the opposite side of that, I actually had a really hard time with Patrick Wilson. Interesting, huh? I, 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 I don't know. Here's the thing about Patrick Wilson, Alan. I don't know all his films. And he's probably a fine actor. But everything that I can think that he's in, he just annoys the fuck out of me. I, I can see what you're saying. And I don't know why. Like, he's not, he's not bad necessarily. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not watching the performance going, wow, that's really... And I'm not, of course, an actor. I don't know anything. 
But I just mean something about him. One of the ones that I remember watching uh, a few years back is The Conjuring. Yeah. That, that immediately where my brain goes when I think of Patrick Wilson. And I just didn't. There's something about him that I kind of want to slap the taste out of now. He's got a little smugness going on. He definitely it, does. It kind, it kind of is. And, but it's uh, almost like a smugness, but he also wants to play the nice guy. But you can see that smugness just barely below the surface. I think you nailed it. I think you hit it on the head. And maybe that's what it is. And I remember seeing the worst film of 2018, which he's also in, which is called Aquaman. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. The and worst film of 2018. Worst film of 2018. Then I rent it for my boys who are seven and nine. They love it. Of course they do. So then I love it because I, I, I get excited. <laughs> well, here's the deal, right? I get a, When they like are genuinely excited and interested in the movie, then it kind of excites me, right? right. Naturally as a dad, that's how we are, right? For sure. But, but nonetheless, if, if I was to extrapolate that and just not have that as part of the equation, then Aquaman was the worst film of 2018. <laughs> That's a bold statement, too. I, I went, it's not, though. I, we, we should probably pull up the 2018 films at some point and figure out what was released and see what can be as bad as Aquaman. See, I, I, I just don't I, don't, I don't see a lot of those superhero movies. And it's not necessarily because I don't like them. I just don't really have a whole lot of interest. They're, they're all kind of the same to me. They're, you're going to get the same story. You're going to get the same villains that I'm not invested in and I'm not worried about and I'm not scared of. And then they're going to save the day at the end. Well, here's the tie-in because later watching Bone Tomahawk, I saw Patrick Wilson. And then I went, that's why Aquaman's the worst because Patrick Wilson bugs the <laughs> hell out of me. He just bugs the hell out of me. I don't know what it is. Um, but which is... Which is He's probably obviously it has, it's not a personal hit, right? I don't I'm not a guy that wants to dive into any of that. I have nothing against Patrick Wilson. There's just something about his acting that pops me and, and makes me makes me kind of annoyed, basically. I, I can see that. And in fact, for him, he is not, he's not spectacular when he's just playing a husband. The part that I really liked him in this movie is when he the, the, the determination to get to his wife. And I liked that a lot. I liked, um, I liked the rescue mission. I don't know. I just, just his one track mind, nothing else matters. Come hell or high water. I'm going to go rescue her. I liked that. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Other than that though, I mean, he's, he is, I'm not going to say his performance was weak, but it was the weakest performance in the film. I think I'll attribute what you're saying to the writing. I think the character's interesting because it's a one-track mind character. So to give Patrick Wilson a little bit of leeway and a little bit of buffer room, I will say that I imagine that in some regard, it, when characters aren't overly complex, right? There's no complexity to the character. The character is straightforward. He's an old-time cowboy, like real cowboy, and he's determined. And the only deter the, it's one-track mind. So I'm going to go and save my wife. So that's a good trait, right? And I agree with you. As a character, that makes sense, especially for this film. But it's not overly complex, so it might be hard as an actor to, <laughs> to, to play that one-track mind character, right? Because there's no complexity to it. Sure. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, 
I'm that's re- very kind of you. I'm, I'm retracting my <laughs> shitty statements about him and trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But but I think his character is, uh, of course, integral to the story. And I think he does a good job. And it's not a shitty performance. It's just not my favorite. And so we sure. can move on off, off Patrick Wilson if you want. So how about Matthew Fox? Uh, once again, I'm gonna. It's interesting how we judge and uh, survey things because it's it's all somewhat based on previous experience, absolutely, or our own perceptions. Because I love Lost, yeah. like so. Immediately, if you think Matthew Fox, you you immediately think Jack Shepard from the TV series Lost. Right. I loved the TV series Lost. I thought it was a great series. I don't know what it is. Some well, we've talked about this before. Sometimes you can't explain everything, but what I can say is I just loved it. I thought it was a great TV series. Absolutely. And so for me, I loved him. I thought he was great. But here's the deal. His character's got more a little more complexity to him because there's a form of retribution, right? And right. It, and and it, he doesn't initially introduce that. And that's what I like what what Zayler, the director, does is that like he doesn't introduce that character's motivation initially. So it's it, there's a curiosity, right? You're like, okay, why, who's this guy? Why is he so interested in wanting to save Samantha? You know, why is he? It, it's almost, is he doing this out of the good nature of his yeah, heart? Be, because the, the reason he gives is very flimsy at best. Where he's it's, like, I well, I escorted her. To the police station, so I have a duty. It's like that's pretty flimsy, man, to to go out and and you've already talked about how many you know you've killed so many Indians. Like it, I'm not, you know, something's going on here. See, I think I must have missed that in the dialogue because I actually thought he didn't bring up that. Oh no, no, no! I, I'm retracting. I'm sorry. You're right. I was I was giving away why he uh, his motivation. He has mm-hmm. he he's already talked about how he's killed whatever dozens of of indians right but we don't know his motivation until a bit later when he reveals that his family was murdered right right and that when he was a young boy his his wife or not his wife i mean his sister and his mother and that's kind of the the motivation to him but and and that's even not overly i mean that's pretty simple and plain and it makes sense so okay that's why he's got such a vindication and wants to you know have such hard retribution on these but i don't know i think building the curiosity of him and i like his performance in general i didn't think here's the other thing watching other movies that he's been in and especially the tv series lost i didn't ever think he could pull it off and that's the thing i liked most about this is because i i've I, i can't remember what else i've even seen him in other than lost the only uh, movie that immediately that comes to mind is the one with Denzel Washington. Is it with Denzel Washington? Damn it. No, I just went blank too. Um, but anyway. I'll pull up, I'll pull up his IMDb. Yeah, pull that up. because For me... I, I, I thought like he pulled he, it off though. Oh, exactly. And, and that's the thing is, like you said, you see him and you think Jack Shepard from Lost. Like I almost called him Matthew Shepard, you know? Like, <laughs> although that's a much different person. But... Um, I almost called him that because he's so that's who he is to me. He's 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 Jack Shepard from Lost. He's the good guy, you know, the good guy who's uh, got some demons and is conflicted. But he is the savior of the show. He's a protagonist. So to see him play an arrogant son of a bitch who is 
and I emphasize arrogant because he's very arrogant and he's an ass. But then somehow along the way, you side with him. To me, that takes skill to be able to do that because he was still, he's still Matthew Fox, but he played it so convincingly and so well that you, re- I, I didn't like him at first. And then as just as uh, Chicory and, and Kurt Russell, just as they kind of get to know him and they get to have a little sympathy for him, we as the audience do too. And this is what I think this, this film does so well is that it really does put you in the character's shoes. Like it, it lets you know that this from the get go that the movie's going to be it's it's going to be rough at points, but then it immediately puts you in this world of this town. There's very little score in this in this movie. There's very little, distra- I don't want to call it distraction, but there's very little out. There's not many outside elements that are going to remind you it's a film. The sound design is so good, and I I always believe that the sound design kind of makes it real. If that makes sense, like if it's, if sound design is done very well you feel like you're part of the the movie and that's what this film did so you really feel like you're the characters you're going on this journey with them and when hell is unleashed man you feel it like it takes you by surprise even though you knew it was going to be bloody even though they told you from the beginning it still takes you by surprise and you're in a whole other world this is not the world we were in five minutes ago basically yeah no i think that's a good point because you know we we talk once again about westerns and a lot of times westerns are are really based in atmosphere and they're really based in that environment and feeling like it's the old west or the frontier. And I do agree with you that in this film, it's much, much more character driven and the atmosphere and the environment really plays a secondary role to just following what the story is with these characters. Um, And so, yeah, I I mean, I, I agree with you there. And I think Matthew Fox, pulls it off and, and, and makes that, that character. I like what you said about the switch too, because initially you kind of think that he's just an ass. Mm -hmm. And then kind of towards the end, especially as he nearly spoiler alert, as he, (laughs) as he nearly meets his demise, um, he, you, you really sympathize and you really start to enjoy, you kind of side with that character even more than before. Well, there was, there was something, when he hands the telescope over to Chicory, that's when you, you're fully invested in his character. That's when you're like, okay. It starts when his horse gets gets mangled or whatever, and he has to go shoot it to put it out of its misery. That's when you start to feel sympathy for him. But it's really, like, you're on board with him once he hands over, they call it the German, the, the telescope, because it's from Germany. Once he hands that over to Chicory, you're on, it's like, all right, he's part of the crew. Like, I like him. Like yeah. he, he has pulled a 180 and that's hard to do. That's hard to take a, a character who's so unlikable and within the, the, the scope of 90 minutes, turn him into someone you like. Like that's not, that's not easy to do. Absolutely. Let's go. Uh, let's jump in. Uh, by the way, uh, um, Matthew Fox was the one I was thinking of was not with Denzel, but it's a football film called We Are Marshall and it stars Matthew McConaughey. And Matthew Fox plays a, an assistant coach. Okay. I haven't seen that. I've actually heard great things, but I haven't seen it. It's the, we are, you know, the Marshall uh, University. Um, but anyway, and then par- he's in Party of Five, which was a yeah, pretty, I do pop- remember that. pretty popular TV series as well. I remember so, I was a kid when that came out. So I, I do remember that though. Um, but, but I like this performance. I thought he was really good. I, I'd like to see more of him. I, as I was looking at his IMDb, 
the last credit that he has in a film or a TV uh, series is 2015 Bone Tomahawk. I wonder why. So he, well, he's just rich and he'd probably, <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a guy that kind of does what he wants. True. He got that lost money and he's like, I'll do whatever I want to do now. Well, and I mean, I was going to save this for the trivia section, but he did say that this was his favorite movie to work on. So maybe he's like, all right, don't need any more. I'll take a break now. Yeah, I'll take a five-year hiatus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> resting on my lost money. Might as well. <laughs> that lost money has to feel good. It's got to. Because, <laughs> I mean, I imagine it's in syndication. Oh, so it's in syndication. for that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. royalties for that, too. So. And they were getting a hell of a lot of money. I remember this being in the news frequently, and I don't know the numbers. We could find them out eventually, but... They were getting a lot per episode too. It was it was mm-hmm. record breaking numbers per episode, True. if I recall. So he's he's cool. He's good. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Underrated though, for sure. I think so. I really do. I that's yeah. what I mean. I'd really like to see him in more stuff. But uh if you're listening to the podcast, Matthew Fox, come and do some films. Let's go. Seriously, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm craving more Matthew Fox after this one. <laughs> Where are you at, Jack? Where are you at? <laughs> Now let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, someone who has is is not a lack is not at a lack of films, which is Kurt Russell. Now Kurt Russell, and this is interesting because I feel like Kurt Russell. It was a very strong character. The sheriff, what was his name? Sheriff something. Um, I, I, I feel like I saw him like a hundred times before. But exactly, it, Sheriff Hunt. It, it's it's Kurt Russell. You know, like it's still Kurt Russell. This is Wyatt Earp from tombstone it's 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 the same he's played this role a million times but he still gives it a new life and i i still enjoy watching it it's not like it's boring but it's also it's not revolutionary no but i think a lot of you know you look at his body of work and you start going he's that actor that's like you mentioned he's just he's and he's good i like kurt russell Mm -hmm. but he's kurt russell so like yep yep even in like, I recall Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's the most recent one I've seen him in. He's just Kurt Russell. He's not that right. character. The only one I could say I think he's different is in Escape from New York. Yeah, a little, yeah. Because even, I don't know. I mean, you look at something like Death Proof or, you know, like I, I just feel like mostly he's a personality actor, which is like, he's the, his personality is Kurt Russell and that's who he mm-hmm. is. Like, like one of my favorite films we should do a podcast on this one, is Big Trouble in Little China. And oh, you know what? I haven't seen that since I was oh a wee lad. Oh my gosh, it's, it's so, been a minute. It's more nostalgia out of anything, I would say. Sure. But I would love to rewatch it because I just, I loved it when I was a kid. And he's Kurt Russell in that. Yeah. yeah. Like, so with this, with Bone Tomahawk as Sheriff Hunt, you know, I agree with you. I think he's kind of Wyatt Earp from Tombstone. There's not a whole lot of deviation to the character. Once again, but but I think it still works. It's still Absolutely. it's still there uh, because he can that personality trait that he has, which is like whatever he's doing, even though it's Kurt Russell, it's believable. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like you can sell it and be committed. Like even if there's a confidence and a commitment to what you're doing, then it's believable. And he definitely has that in every role that he takes. So even though I see Kurt Russell with my eyes. I still play into the story like, okay, that's all true and this is happening. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, he embodies the, whatever character he's playing, even though 
It's still Kurt Russell. It's still you know, like, it's it's the that's same the hot, thing. That's the hot take for for that. Right, exactly. It's, it's still Kurt. It's still Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like him, and and his character is important to the story. And in the uh, in the opener, I kind of lead with him because he's kind of he's got these old west ways. And if we get back to the moment where David Arquette is kind of coming into town after Sid Haig's been killed by these, what you would assume to be Indians. Um, David Arquette character comes into town, very suspicious. Kurt Russell comes into the saloon and things go haywire. Things get a little crazy and he shoots David Arquette in the leg. So he's this, definitely old school West guy, you know, and this old, is not, old, old West. Not the first time he's done it either. That's yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> because Mrs. O'Dwyer, the the doctor, who's who's basically the town doctor because the real doctor is is a drunk, essentially. So she's kind of taken that role, and and she mentions that this is not the first time he's done this. He has a tendency to shoot people in the leg. <laughs> so he shoots David Arquette's character in the leg, and takes him to the to the jail. And at that right. point, this is where Bruder, who's played by Matthew Fox, goes to the O'Dwyer's house right and asks for samantha or mrs o'dwyer to come help david arquette character in the jail um and she knows immediately yeah that the sheriff shot him and this is not a new thing right Right. (laughs) she she goes to the jail basically and and helps him you know try you know helps him out and his kurt russell leaves everyone's late at night everybody leaves except for deputy nick who is with uh mrs o'dwyer and then uh, we, we want to say that Patrick Wilson's character, Arthur, is, is crippled. He's been injured, so he can't walk. One of his legs is basically, he's, he's torn it up. He fell off a shed or something or some crazy thing that you do in the 1890s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where like if you fall off, there's like, it's not, there's no modern medicine. You can't just start, right. like, you got to sit in bed for six months for a torn, exactly. torn shin. Because yeah. you're afraid of gangrene. Um, (laughs) but, but he's, he's crippled in bed and, uh, there's this, this is where there's an introduction and starts to really show it some of its, I think at least when, um, the, the troglodytes come that night and basically break in and, and, and kidnap deputy Nick and Mrs. O'Dwyer. And before they do that, they've innocently slain a young man as well. Yeah, the stable boy. And I, I actually, this is, this is a, again, the, the, the film was trying to hint that this is going to be a horror movie because that is a very, the scene where the stable boy comes in and it's very dark, it's, it's very, very horror. Like it's suspenseful and scary. And so the, the movie's trying to let you know this is going to happen. I really like that they did not show the abduction in the police station. Because again, it's making you feel like you are a part of the journey for this thing. Because if you would have seen it, I think it would have, I mean, it would have been good and I'm sure they would have done it well, but it wouldn't have been the same movie. It would have been more of a, a typical by the numbers horror flick. And I like that they didn't, they didn't, it, it also keeps the villains as a mystery because you don't know, 
all we're doing is we're seeing little shadows of them and we're seeing them out of nowhere firing arrows and firing axes and we don't know where it's coming from. It makes it more scary. So I really like that they did not show the, uh, the abduction. Yeah, that's like a, a partly a traditional horror thing too. And I agree with you, which is like, let's keep in that scene where the stable board dies, you see shadows and mm -hmm. you see various, but nothing definitive. So you're still kind of trying to put together who this villain or this monster is. That's very horror-esque. Sometimes right. in the beginning, it's like, you're not quite sure who it is or what it is, with the exception of your favorite, which is Texas Chainsaw. Texas and Chainsaw. And Leatherface exactly. just comes out and says, here I am. But and then he's gone again. Then he's gone. Like, what the but, hell but, is that? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of time, it's kind of more mystery built to it. Right. You know, you'll, and, and you're right. And I, I agree. I think if you show Mrs. O'Dwyer and Deputy Nick being... Um, kidnapped from the jail uh it kind of breaks the the curiosity and the interest going forward um it's almost like not entirely knowing who took them but you you do i mean they define it later right where you they they kind of they put two and two together and they discover who it was but not knowing exactly who they are uh kind of builds that that level of interest and that's where and things start to get more exciting for me. Definitely. And I, I, I also think if you show the abduction, then you're preparing the audience for what's going to happen later. Like you're preparing them for the scene. And I'll just refer to it that as that until we get to it. The scene in the cave later on. Like you're, you're, you're Wait, what happened in the cave? <laughs> oh, you, you missed that part? <laughs> just did, did you triple F that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched uh, that one. I watched that yeah. one. But you, you, then you're preparing them a little bit more. And I, like I said, you're lulled to sleep a little bit. Like it's a long journey to get to the part where all hell breaks loose. And so I, I kind of think to keep that, to, to keep the audience unprepared for what you're going to see later, I think, I think that's part of the deal is you, you don't show the abduction. Yeah, I agree. If, if you show the abduction, you reveal your cards. You show your exactly. hand. Exactly. Yep. I agree. They are kidnapped. And this is where Mr. O'Dwyer... Uh, Patrick Wilson, Arthur, whatever you want to call him. He's got three names there. He, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, de he's determined. And yep. um, they start a, they, they, they rouse together a party of four. And the party of four is the sheriff, of course, uh, Chicory, who's played, you know, the Richard Jenkins. Is it Richard Jenkins? Yes. Did I, did I just say his name wrong? Oh, okay. Nope. You got I couldn't it. remember if I got his name wrong. Um, <laughs> Uh, Chicory, uh, Bruder, played by Matthew Fox, and then, of course, of course, Arthur. So they set off on basically, this is what, uh, this is this is pretty, this seems back to a sense of like borrowing from Westerns, which is like we're off on a journey. Because yeah. every most Westerns that I watch, despite what they are, at some point, there's always a journey from location A to location B. Like, even take something like Tombstone, once wider decide his brother's killed and they go off on a journey just catching up with the the cowboys do you know yeah. what i mean yeah so it's like <clears throat> i feel like he, he borrows nicely here from that western genre and the journey's a little bit long and it's introduced we are told that initially they thought it was was uh native americans they thought it was mm -hmm. indians but they bring in their specialist and he says these are not indians because the specialist, he actually is a Native American. Right. And he's like, these are not 
like they're not my people. Like these are something else. This is a whole different, yeah. Troglodytes. He, he calls them troglodytes, which are basically like hermit dwelling or cave, hermit, cave dwellers. Cave dwellers, yeah. And he uh, mentions they don't have a language. And he just, he talks about how brutal. And, and they said, well, are you going to come with us? He's like, no. And uh, I can't remember what was said, but he said, I, I don't want to be killed. I mean, so you, you know it's bad when the, the expert on, on the Native Americans is terrified of these people. Yep. And they, they head off. And uh, this is, this, the, the journey's long and there's things that happen. And I don't know if there's anything between the time they leave to the time that they actually get to the caves that seems overly crucial. What to you in that gap of time is important to talk about? Uh, well, uh, they lose their, ho- their horses. You also, uh, you see what an expert, um, uh, Matthew Fox's character, I can't remember his name, Bruder? Yeah, Bruder. Bruder. Yeah. You see what an expert Bruder is about, you know, being out, out in the frontier and the way he sets up camp and the way he, he's able to uh, ascertain threats. And it seems brutal. Like it seems his his strategy with anyone who approaches the camp, shoot, because it's either going to be an animal or it's going to be someone who wishes them harm because no one would approach a camp in the middle of the night without announcing themselves first. So and and it makes sense. But until it actually happens and he kills this this guy who, who does approach their camp, you find out later that he was absolutely right. But it does. This is part of building his character as unlikable because he kills this guy in cold blood. Yeah. He just, he kills him straight up in cold blood and you're thinking, holy shit, what an ass. Like this guy did not seem to be a threat, but it turns out he was absolutely right. That this was, he was, the guy was a scout and he was coming to scout them out basically. So, I mean, those are the main things. And then, and then the fact that they lose their horses because whoever the people the scout was with came back in the middle of the night and stole their horses. Those are the main main incidents that happened during the journey. So my question for you though, was during this journey, it's long. And like you said, not a whole lot happens. Were you bored? Uh, I'm going to answer that question, but I also want to say something about Bruder that I think you were uh, nicely alluding to. And one of the things that makes him an extreme, uh, besides kind of coming across extremely egotistical, he also, I think that Zayler, the director, does a good job dressing him like a pompous ass. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like everyone He's else is very rugged white. and cowboy. Yep. And, and Bruder somehow has thousands and millions of dollars because he dresses high end. And he's got this fancy equipment and, you know, but it's interesting because he, do, he does dress super high end and he dresses like a you know, upper class person, but he does have all this experience in the wilderness and in the frontier. So it is interesting. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. It's a cool contrast to see. Yeah. In answer to your question, um, like I wasn't bored, right? I, 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 right. I, I was still, it, it's one of those things where uh, there's enough interest for me to, to kind of stay in it. Like there are times when we watch things and I'm sure you experience this when you watch something that, I have a pretty good threshold for patience. Like I let stories unfold. So like understanding narrative and at least trying to attempt to, to, to be a filmmaker and do things that have to do with storytelling. 
like you you know how it is like you you, you have a, a a set of patience to it right mm-hmm. you you let things kind of unravel as they may without right. becoming overly impatient so i kind of i did that and there are some moments where kind of I wanted it to kind of move ahead. What I found, uh, there is an integral part too that I think we should highlight in that gap from the time they leave the town to the time they get to the caves where Patrick Wilson, his character, uh, because they've lost the horses, like you mentioned, of course he's crippled. And so they have to kind of separate from him because he can't keep up with the other three, of course, because he's got a a cane. Um, uh, or a crutch and so he has to he has to go off uh on his own and and uh he takes the lead and then they catch up to him and then they pass him and so he's before they get to the caves it's just the three of them and his character is is well behind mm-hmm. and and it's his wife that's the one that's at the cave um and he's on the verge of like, he's passed out at some point. He's sick. They don't think he can go on. They're thinking about having to amputate his, amputate his leg. Because he They're, hurts it worse. He hurts it worse. Trying to swing at Matthew Fox. Yeah. They're trying to, to give him opium or some kind of, you know, um, pain medication. But it, they, the one thing is to, to mention is they get separated. Right. So the three of them uh, get ahead of, of him. And that becomes crucial later. Because that's how, how shit goes down. Right, right. <laughs> it, it's, it is, yeah, it's crucial. It is important to note that because, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. It is important to note that. That he's, he's hanging on behind. And he's, but, he's determined. Determined. And that, once again, that's, you know, sometimes I, it, I think of similar characters. Like who would be... I like those kind of characters who are like we already talked about who are the single track mind. And I think we've even mentioned this once before, but sometimes I'm glad they didn't take too much time showing him struggle. Like you see a little bit of struggle and you know that he's having a hard time, but they didn't make a huge story out of it. They didn't beat you over the head with it. They they let you know that this is a daunting task, what he's doing, but they didn't beat you over the head with it. But they didn't kill it. Because if they, they could have spent, if, if they had started, this is where I'd have got bored if they were taking that storyline and Agreed. just pounding it down over and over for 20 minutes. But fortunately, they don't really do that. I don't think they did. And so that was nice. The three of them arrive at the caves. So Bruder, Matthew Fox, Kurt Russell, and Richard Jenkins, uh, Chicory, they arrive at these, these caves. Before they get there, though, you start hearing these shrieking noises it is so creepy and this is where i talk about the sound design because the sound that they came up with for these these sounds it's it's close enough to a natural thing that it's almost like the wind at times it's almost like an animal call at times but it's unnatural it just it gives me the chills it's got the the wind maybe an animal slash predator yes Yes. It's got that almost, which is alien. It's different. It's not right. of this world. It doesn't feel that way, at least. Right. And it's just unnatural this. enough to unnerve you. Yeah. Yeah, I thought those were uh, really well done. But you start hearing these, and it's basically a sign of things to come. <laughs> 
and it's going to start going down. It, it almost it almost sounds like I mean obviously the natural comparison is to compare where they end up as as going into hell like going into the depths of hell, and it almost is like there's some it's almost like the hounds of hell or something. You're hearing it get closer and closer, and it's just it's just unnerving because. We've seen these people in action, even though we haven't seen them. We've seen what they do to people. We have, we have heard the expert talk about these people. So, and we don't know what to expect. So it's scary. It's super, super scary. Yeah, absolutely. And they kind of arrive at this, this, this canyon, which is like almost like an entrance to their, their, their realm. It feels and- like the gates of hell. It really does. It, it's it, and it really is. I mean, if you think about the, the physical environment, which is which is basically like you're entering into a cave, which is moving into the center of the earth, quote unquote, like it's very hellish that way, too. But they get there and this is where things start to pick up a little bit. And we start to experience a few more a few more deaths. And uh, there's a little bit of a, a shootout between uh, Bruder and and these these cave dwellers, these, these troglodytes. Um, and this is where Bruder gets, uh, once again, you kind of start to like his character even more. Um, and he kind of takes the lead. And then as he's walking into this, I would say death trap, basically. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, he's still pretty, pretty, pretty ballsy, pretty courageous. For sure. And, now, and I, I can't, I can't decide if he's being arrogant at this point or if he's just being confident because it's, he is, he has hunted Indians before. So it almost seems like he knows what he's doing. I just, I can't, I can't decide if he's prideful or not like at this point. And there's definitely some religious symbolism in here. And I don't quite like, I, I mean, I've said this before. I'm not, I wasn't raised religious. I'm not religious. So I don't really a lot of that stuff is, is over my head, but it does feel like there's some religious stuff there. And I don't know if that plays in, plays a part into what happens to him. Almost felt like his confidence was also like a form of like existentialism. He's like, he just didn't care. True. He was at a point now where like he was all in and he, it's almost like he knew what the, his demise was ha- going to happen shortly. Mm-hmm. And so right. he just didn't care. He's like, I'm going to go all in and do it. So he, he goes through this, this, this tunnel, this canyon uh, and he, I guess he ends up killing one. I thought I heard gunshots, but he, the other two come in after him. And then there's a, there's a, basically a showdown, a little bit of a showdown. And we're kind of introduced to kind of the look and feel of what these, these troglodytes or cave dwellers are. And the way they're introduced is, is interesting too. It's not a big reveal. Basically they're sitting the, our 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 scouting party, our our rescue party, is sitting there, and all of a sudden, arrows are flying out of them, flying at them from everywhere. It's like boom, 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 and it just happens so fast. And then here come charging these dudes, like these people, kind of painted white. And it's just like, what the hell? I don't. What is going on here? And it's uh, they're just they're not they're scary, but it's so quick. Like there's not a big reveal. There's there's not any of that. It's just again, kind of matter of fact. Like you, it's kind of how you would expect it to happen in real life. Yeah, and they're kind of. It's almost like they got. It's it's like dried mud all over their bodies, mm-hmm. and they have you know different ornamental 
on things on their arms, some stuff on their so, but but they're hard to distinguish, right? You can't figure out. They look very animalistic in in a lot of ways. Definitely. Um, very 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 uh, cave dweller type, right? Not um, but but Kurt Russell gets hit. Um, Chicory gets nicked. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, Bruder Matthew Fox gets hit and he's kind of down. He's like, he's down for the count. So he kind of basically takes the lead and says, look, I'm, I'm going to give me the dynamite. Give me, I'm going to try to take out as many of them as I can so that you guys can continue this mission. And his line is really good because it, he knows what people think of him. And he says, uh, this is my spot. I'm way too vain to die a cripple. Or to live a cripple. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, he's kind of half joking, but it's it just, there's, and we should mention this. There's some moments of, of comedy in this movie, too. Usually it's from Chicory, but there's some moments of comedy in this. And I thought that was a cool little moment. Yeah. That, that is a great line. Um, and it, and it's fitting to his character. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, but he, he, he tries to take out as many as he can so the other two can proceed into the cave because they have not reached the cave. They're just kind of outside, just below the actual cave. So one thing I didn't understand though, he didn't set off dynamite though, did he? Cause he asked for the dynamite, but I don't remember him setting it off. See, I thought he did, but maybe I'm just imagining that because that's what I wanted him to do. <laughs> I, I know. Well, and that's what I was waiting for, like an explosion or something. I just don't remember it happening. I remember he shot one or two more before he got, before they killed him, before they axed him. Yeah. They take out, they take out a couple more, and they axe him <clears throat> like across the head, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it's it's pretty brutal. It's a bone tomahawk thrown at him, it's, and it's, it's a, right through the head. Right, it takes it, it's, it, it splices, it dices. <laughs> <laughs> Very effective. Um, but but it does. It 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 it, it, it kind of saves a little time, but not really. Because ultimately, uh, the sheriff and Chicory get get taken over. Now they don't kill him, but which, which is interesting. I don't quite understand why they don't kill him. I think only because they're cannibals. So okay. my only thought is that they were saving him for to eat him. Okay. It, it Man, would be my. Why guess. do I love these cannibal movies so much? I don't know. God, I'm getting between... worried. <laughs> Between this and Texas Chainsaw, man, this is, I, I got That's some issues. That's true. I need to see a shrink. We, I'm getting worried. <laughs> Just looking at you through the screen, I'm going, wait, maybe I don't want to do live podcasts anymore. Uh, the safety of the internet, man, yep. that'll keep us apart. Next thing you know, I'm the one knocked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alan's eating. But yeah, they don't, they don't make it through. And then um, they get taken over by the troglodytes. And then they take them, they kind of... It, they go to the uh, front. The cave's kind of above on a cliff, actually. It's like uh, lodged on the side of a cliff wall. And they do the crazy call. The crazy. So, I, yeah, we should kind of explain. Well, I guess we're not. it's not revealed how they make this weird animalistic. I don't know what you call it. This, this, this call that they do to each other. Uh, all we know is it's deafening. It's very, very loud, but we don't quite know exactly how they do it yet. Yeah. Uh, and it does kind of build some curiosity because I'm like, how are they doing that? And I started wondering or thinking, are these 
this is where, of course, you start to realize that you're in a horror film. You're not yes. just in a inside of a a, a a western. But I also thought, okay, so are we what, are we in another world? Like, is this a world of belief that these are like alien esque creatures, or are they not human? And I think that's intentional. I think they want you to to keep guessing for a while. Because you don't know how they're making those screeching noises mm-hmm. and, and all of that. Um, but they basically, they do the call sign and then ropes come down from the, the cave and, and they take the sheriff and Hick, uh, Chicory up. They, you know, they take them up and they put them inside the cave, inside of a, a boned off prison. And this is where we, int- we've, we realize here that Deputy Nick and Samantha or Mrs. O'Dwyer are in the cave. So they're still alive. Yep. Um, so we know that their objective's not completely for nothing because she's still there. Um, and all this time you kind of know, like he's got that little bit of, uh, you know, that, that, that trick up his sleeve as a writer director, because we know that of course, uh, Arthur or Patrick Wilson is still out there. Mm-hmm. So you still know, even though everyone's, you know, Matthew Fox is dead, Kurt Russell's in jail. But we know that Patrick Wilson's somewhere out there still. And the one thing that I, about his character that kind of gave me some relief was that he's a, he's an old school cowboy. Yeah, like he's he's got the grit. He's so, gonna make it. Yeah, he, he'll come. He'll he might die trying, but he's gonna he's gonna see his objective out. He's gonna come in literally guns swing guns ablazing. Yep. Um, and that's kind of what happens, but not before a couple of. Pretty gruesome scenes. <laughs> oh, here we go, man. Here we go. This is where it gets nuts. Because before he gets there, before Patrick Wilson gets there, um, there's some killings or a killing, I should say. This is Poor Alan's Deputy Nick. favorite part. Poor, well, first of all, they you know they they ask where the drifter is, and uh, Mrs. O'Dwyer says they ate him. <laughs> so you know straight up they're cannibals. Like this is this is the the reveal where they're cannibals, and then here comes uh, Deputy Nick is passed out in his jail cell next to, um, and he's in the same cell with Mrs. O'Dwyer. And man, the troglodytes come in. They open up the the cell. They pull out Deputy Nick. They strip him naked, and and he's basically saying his goodbyes to. And he sees that the sheriff's there, and he's basically saying his goodbyes. You know, like send send my stuff to my brother. And uh, basically, first of all, they slice his forehead and scalp him. And that is brutal, man. That is, And when you see that, you're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. It can't get much worse than this. But, oh, my God, does it get worse. And this, uh, I, I showed this movie to Jess fairly early on in our, when we were dating, which probably was not very nice of me. But she was kind of dipping her toe into the horror world. And so I was like, all right, well, let's, you know, we watched a couple things. We watched Chainsaw. We watched Night of the Living Dead. It's like, all right, well, let's let's see how let's see how far we can take this. And uh, <laughs> and she closed her eyes during this. And she said that even the sounds still disturb her. Like she can still hear the sounds of this. So basically they take he's been scalped. They flip him over. Remember, he's 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 butt ass naked. They flip him over. One troglodyte's got one leg, another troglodyte's got the other leg, and the third troglodyte just slicing him 
from between his legs, slicing him, and then they pull him apart. And when they pull him apart, that's gross enough, but stuff starts falling out of him, and it is just, it is one of, I can handle a lot of gore. I love horror movies. This was like almost, this was pushing it for me. This was like, and I've seen this movie twice before, and it's just as bad the third time, where I'm like, oh, that's gross. Oh my God, that's horrible. But it's done so well. Like the practical effects are so good. And again, the sound design, like Jess said, the sounds disturb her. It's the sound design of the whole thing that really makes it disturbing. If you have, if you skimp on the sound design in this scene, it is not nearly as gross. So you're telling the audience that they should mute it, if at least just to subdue the scene a little bit. Honestly, it probably it's a good experiment because I would love to know if someone does that and how it affects them when it's muted. I'll take it a step further. I mean, you could triple F this if you wanted to. It's probably not a bad idea. I I personally I was okay with it too, and and only because I, I agree with you from the filmmaker stance. I was like. This is done. I was question. How did they do it? Exactly. How did they do this so well? It looks so realistic, so authentic. Not that I know what that is like in person, but you can imagine. And I think right. they painted that visual extremely strong. They did a great job. There's a show. Uh, if you, if anyone out there has Shutter, it's a streaming service that that streams horror movies. There's a show called The Core. And it's it's not a it's not a horror show. It's basically a, a, a show for horror fans, and they tell you how they do a lot of these effects. They don't they don't explain this one, but if you want to know if you, like if you're interested in in practical effects in horror movies, like the old Nightmare on Elm Street movies and stuff like that, go watch that show because it is fantastic, and it it tells you how they do it, and it actually shows you, and it gets all bloody, and it's 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 so cool. If you if you like this kind of stuff, I would definitely check it out. I mean, I think for any filmmaker, <clears throat> there's got to be a level of interest in how no they doubt. do that. I mean, you take a scene like that that's written the way that it is, and then you go, how do we execute on this? And they do it extremely well. And it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. It, it, the, the part that got me, at first, it's like it's kind of gory fun. But the part that got me is when stuff starts falling out of them as they're tearing him apart. I, I, I was just before you at the point where they had his legs and they started axing down the middle. Oh, yeah, was, <laughs> I mean, cause it's not, it's not just like, you know, in a movie where they cut off someone's head, it's like one swoop. Like they're pounding him with the ax. Like no, they're, they're really, hacking. They're, they're hacking. hacking. Exactly. Well said. They're hacking him. And, and I was clinching my ass. Oh yeah. It's a butt clincher scene for sure. <laughs> cause I was like, no doubt. It's a scene Ooh. where you feel it in a sense. Oh, oh, it's horrible. So you're wondering like, oh man, you're kind of crossing your legs. You're, it, it, it's tough. It's well, a tough there, scene. There's a movie called Terrifier. It's a terrible horror movie, but it's, if you like horror, it's like dumb fun. And there's a scene where a, an evil clown is chainsawing a woman in the same manner, but it's not nearly as effective. Like it's super gory and gross, but it's also like, we know this is a dumb horror movie. This movie just set, it just spent an hour and a half showing you how realistic all this stuff is and putting you in this world and, you know, showing you, you know, the dangers of the frontier life and the dangers of, you know, these troglodytes, but you're just not prepared. You're not prepared for this, for this thing. You're not, it's nothing. It's, it's like, they just want you to not, they want to take you by surprise. It's so 
crazy just how brutal it gets at the drop of a hat. And and it's yeah because there's been brutality up to this point, but it has a, it's a little more palatable. Whereas here, like we mentioned, it's a it's definitely a butt clincher. And yeah. and uh, the thing about it too is that it, it, it's almost like that's the only direction that that Zayler can go because if you go any and I hate to I don't hate to say this, but if you go any softer, then the point's not as strong. Exactly. Because now with hit, with Deputy Nick hap, going through this death and torture, this murder scene, at, at the level that he does, you know the stakes are so high, higher than you had anticipated because now you're starting to feel like, okay, they did this to Deputy Nick, so what's to say that who's next? You're just playing, you're putting on the bet. It's like going to Vegas and going, is it chicory? Is it... Is it Minnesota right. Dwyer? Is it is it Sheriff Russ, Kurt Russell? You know, because and you're starting to wonder. It's a guessing game. It's a bet game. Who's next? And it's it's brutal. It's just it's it's pretty brutal. And not only that, every time they come back in the room, you are terrified of what you're going to see next. It's so that's when the horror kicks in. It's not until like the last twenty minutes of this movie where it actually turns into a horror movie. Yeah. And and so he's gone. Deputy Nick's out of there. <laughs> Just know, by the way, if you are going to watch the film and that's fine. Look, I, I'm not watch the film. But if you don't have a stomach for it, some people might not. Right. And if you don't have a stomach for it. As, as Deputy Nick gets taken out, just you can you can skip about 30 seconds and you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. It don't. Yeah. If you don't have the stomach for it, it's definitely still a great movie to watch. But just fast forward through that part. Yeah, you'll get you'll catch you'll get the drift. You'll get the drift, no <laughs> doubt. So, but we have we have uh, here's the deal. And so, even with this dark demising kind of scene, we have a little bit of hope in our back pocket because here we have Mister O'Dwyer with his determination to save his wife. But how? So how? The first time you saw this, how hopeful were you that this guy who's hobbling around on one leg is going to manage to get up this cliff, get in there and take out all these, all these monsters. This is where I kept thinking traditional cowboy. So I knew he was going to win. Sure. Sure. It, I really did. I mean, it's like you watch and you go, okay, we know we've established that he's a hard nosed, hard gritted cowboy. So the only way this can go is him, him saving his wife. Well, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking that until until the brutal, distant, I don't know what you call it, chopping, hacking scene. Because once they showed me that, I'm like, okay, all bets are off now. I don't, I, I could not have predicted this was going to, that was going to happen. I have no idea. Like, this seems like the type of movie that's going to just end in, in tragedy. Yeah, and they I wonder, that all bets are off. No, I, I, I actually did not feel that. I honestly felt like, okay, Mr. O'Dwyer's still going to win. Because he's taken us to the depths and the director Zayler has said, look, here's what happens when you mess with these troglodytes. And the only person to save us is the good old boy cowboy. Like we're going to follow this traditionalist step into the saving grace. I still felt like it was, it was, it was his for the taking. Um, and it kind of is. It kind of plays out that way. Most for sure. Because well, it's... And- and Go he's ahead. a religious guy too. They they that's one thing we didn't mention. He's he's a religious guy. Not 
not overly, but he's definitely religious. Like he, he, you know, he makes sure to pray. And, and I think he said, Jesus, goddamn, one time when he was in pain and he looks up to the sky and says, sorry, like, you know, so he's, he's got faith that he's, that's going to work out. Yeah. And it kind of does because after deputy Nick's taken out, uh, they eat him. Um, <laughs> the sheriff, even, even at this point, Kurt Russell is like, Oh, Oh shit. Yeah. So, you know, if, if Kurt Russell's getting worried, we're, we're in a predicament. Exactly. If Kurt Ru- Russell's worried about this, this, these people that were. So they uh, they're trying to devise a plan and they have this tincture, this medicine uh, that if, if given too much, it can cause an overdose. They have yeah, it's a, opium. It, so it's, it's a, straight up. It is the opium. opium. Yeah, they have tincture yeah. of opium. And so they devise a plan that if we give. They ask Samantha, the doctor, Mrs. O'Dwyer, hey, if we, how much can we try to give these guys to kill one of them? They're starting to devise a plan, which is basically like, how many did we kill? How many have you seen so far, Samantha? She's like, there's about a dozen or so. They had killed with Matthew Fox's character, like two or three. Um, then the, you know, so they're just trying to devise the numbers, basically. They're running the numbers. And... And then there's this scene where they try to trick him. So three of the troglodytes come in and you see Kurt Russell pretending to drink the flask of opium um, and in, in trying to entice them to take it. They fall for the bait. They take it. They start trying to drink it. And it ends up killing one of them mm-hmm. out of the three, right? So now the numbers are slowly dwindling. And I think it, the other two, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the other two were going to be passed out. Yeah, they're out. They're uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think they die, but they're out. And so they're breaking the numbers down. And then uh, it's kind of it, at this at this point, we're getting a little bit of intercutting, a little bit of parallel editing with what's happening in the cave and where Mister O'Dwyer is in relation to his journey to get there. Uh, and like you mentioned, there's some scenes of him suffering and going through pain and figuring it out. He finally gets to the entrance almost that slot canyon entrance or at least close and he leans up against the 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 side of the mountain in the bushes and then he ends up hearing or taking he hears one of the troglodytes coming in he he takes them out he shoots one of them Mm -hmm. the other one comes running in he shoots another so he's taken out a couple now with his pistol right he's a dead eye he's a cowboy i can believe it usually i'm not so forgiving with well, people being was, such accurate shots, but because it's old school cowboy, I can take it. He actually missed a couple times from pretty close range too. That's true. He does miss. Because, and, and I think the reason why is because, remember, his leg is hurt. The tincture of opium was for him to, to dull his pain. So he's been on and, and he's supposed to take a spoonful a day. But it, you know, it, it's not like... If you've ever taken pain medicine that has, you know, opiates in it, like you're not off, like it makes you tired. And so I think he's, I, I, he's not all there when he's trying to shoot it. So I, I think that's why, but it's, there's an intense scene where he, there's one troglodyte right near him and he shoots and misses and shoots and misses. And then he, uh, he shoots again and the gun is empty. So now he's got to reload while the troglodyte standing right there, comes at him with an ax, gets it. Ju- I mean, again, any other filmmaker would have had intense music there, would have had, you know, uh, lots of quick cutting. This was done so almost matter of factly, so realistically that it's, 
to me, it added so much to the scare because it's so we're in this world where I feel like I'm right there with him. Yeah, it's extremely visceral. And those he comes in and, and, and uh, he does end up with the, getting the timing right and ends up taking him out. Yeah. But uh, be, this is where I knew once again, this is another this is uh, this alludes to that idea of the traditional, hey, the cowboy in this case is going to win out where he takes, I mean, the odds of him finishing that off before a bone tomahawk hits him in the face is like one in a million. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So story-wise, it's fine because that's what we need. But, but I, that's again, where I was reassuring to go, okay, well, this is, he's going to win out, you know? But then I'm thinking how, because he gets to the slot Canyon, like the entrance to hell essentially. And instead of going through it, he's like, he even says back way. And, he, and so to go to the back way, he's got to crawl up this hill and he's on one leg and he can barely even crawl up the hill. And then it, it, it cuts to him once he's up the hill, dragging his body. So I'm thinking, how the hell is he going to get up the cliff? How is he going to get up? And they never really show how that happens. So that's one that's one kind of hole in the story that I don't quite understand. It's uh, what they didn't show you, Alan was the angel that came down. Oh, that's and, right. That's right. <laughs> because he's a man of faith. So That's true. That's It took yeah, him up the point. hill. Or the, good point. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> um, one thing to say is he's, he's killed about two or three of the Trigonalites. Well, this is also where we discover, am I wrong here? Is this where we discover how they make the screeching noise? Yes. Which is you basically shoot. a piece of bone pipe that they slam into their esophagus or their their throats, right? Yeah. It's yep, right literally in embedded into their their esophagus. Yes. It, it's almost like part of their body. It's strange. I don't know how they get it in there, but it, it almost is like when he, because he's, he's killed one of the troglodytes and he's cutting it out and it's, it is like removing a body part. It's, um, it's almost like a, <laughs> Uh, what are they called? The emergency procedure when you have to stick a pipe into the esophagus. There's yeah, a, that's what it feels like. And I can't remember what those are called. Uh, tracheotomy or something like you. that. Thank you. That's exactly what they are. That's what it's almost like with the bone. It's just stuck in there. But somehow they've manipulated it. Now, of course, with the wind of their own lung capacity, it makes this screeching, spooky noise. Mm-hmm. He's killed one of them and he's, he rips it out. Yeah. He, he rips it out. And that's also pretty gruesome. I mean, in a different way than Deputy Nick, but he rips out the, the bone pipe and uh, he starts, he realizes that's their communication tool because they don't talk. No. So they send signals through this, this screeching sound like an animal. Mm-hmm. And, and so he realizes this and that's how he, so he gets up around the cave, the angel flies in. No, <laughs> <laughs> takes him to the so d- we assume that he 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 uses the the pipe thing to call to them to send the rope down but he's not climbing up that rope that's what i assumed that he did so i i yeah I, but I, but i think if they tie themselves off and he gets pulled up right like the same way that they pulled up dep do they not pull him up or do they climb up because well, they pulled up imagine- the deputies I would imagine they're gonna. I would imagine they're gonna throw down the ropes, but then they're gonna look down and see it's not one of them. Not only that, but he's got he's got the 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 pipe thing. So obviously he's cut. I mean, are they gonna let them 
let this stranger, this outsider into their cave. Oh, you're obviously well prepared. Like to me, it's just a, it's not a big hole in the story. I can forgive it, but this all could have been solved by just not having the cave up on a cliff. Damn you, Craig Zayla. Damn. Like that's, it's like the one flaw in this whole, in this whole story for me. Now the whole movie's ruined. It's ruined. I hate it. The truth be told, (laughs) Mr. O'Dwyer's not getting up that cave. Exactly. But you're right. He had an angel. That's the only thing that makes sense. (laughs) He gets up there somehow. We don't, we don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter, but this it, is me it, it doesn't matter, but it's fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he gets up there and then essentially is taking out as many as he can. What's the final scene here at the, in the cave? Run me through it because um, you have, it, it's been established by the way, that there is a hierarchy to the troglodyte nation or the troglodyte group or tribe. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the hierarchy is the one with the big tusk the, kind of... The boar tusks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he's the scary one. He's the scariest one for sure. They're he's all the scary. Biggest, I mean, they're I'm all not, very scary. I'm not going to want to run across any of them in, when I'm out camping. Definitely not. You, you're done if that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, before Mr. O'Dwyer gets there, uh, they, they've obviously, the troglites have figured out that Kurt Russell tricked them with, with the opium. They figured it out and they come down, they come into the room and it's, again, it's, it's scary, man. It's super scary. And they rip it open, they rip open his cell. They take him out of the cell and they cut him, uh, on the, on, on the stomach basically. And then one thing we forgot to mention earlier, after they drank the flask of opium, they threw it in the fire. They threw the flask in the fire. So it's sitting there heating up. They cut him open. They take the flask and they shove it in his cut. And it's, you know, it's a burning flask. It's made out of metal. It's super hot. And so, I mean, it's just, just the, the brutality of these guys. It's, it's just insane. And they're about to, they're essentially, to make a long story short, they're about to kill him when Mr. O'Dwyer comes and saves the day. And he comes in and he, and he shoots, he, he's shooting them and he's killing them. And basically he comes in and takes care of them all. And that's really kind of all you need to know, essentially. Like the details aren't good. Th- this part though, when they, at this point, Kurt Russell's done for though, because he has been shot uh, and he had that cut. He had the, the flask inside his cut burning. He's done for. He knows he's not going to make it out of this cave. So there are still a couple of troglodytes left. They don't know where, where they're at. So he says, I'm going to stay here, and I mean to take out every single one of these guys so you guys can get away. Um, I had a little, I don't want to say a problem, but the goodbye here was, was not as emotional as I think it would have been in real life. Like, they all kind of look at him like, okay, thanks, bye, and they kind of walk out. And even, um, even Chicory kind of just looks at him and is like, okay, bye. You know, like it's not, I, I would imagine they've been through this journey. They've, they've sacrificed so much. They've lost people. They've seen some brutal things. And this guy is sacrificing his life to get everyone out of there. And it's just, they just kind of leave. So, I mean, it's not a big deal, but it was enough to me to be like, ah, man, I would have, I wanted to see something more. I, I wanted to see a better send off for Kurt Russell. Yeah. I, well, I told you Patrick Wilson's an asshole. 
He's an asshole, man. You know what? You get someone else to play that role, and and they're all hugging each other and trying to drag him out of that that thing themselves. I'm just kidding, Patrick Wilson. I love you, but <laughs> no, I agree. I, it is. It's not very. It's not very sentimental. Uh, and and here's the here's the only uh, combative uh, reply that I might have to that, which is, it's 1890s. So true. It's just old school West. Like you did your thing. I did my thing. We did it together. Let's move on. Good point. Good. I mean, you, know? you just saved the movie for me. Thanks. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of that hard nosed kind of like whatever. We're, we're, we were all expecting this to happen. We weren't expecting that anything different, so to speak. Right. Right. Um, and so but but because I do like Kurt Russell, I wanted to see a little bit more sentimentality towards his death. Sure. So Craig Zaylor, you're on my list. <laughs> He's on your list. And then and basically the end of the movie is Chicory and the O'Dwyers uh, starting to make the long journey home. And I think there were three troglodytes left, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And to kind of to finish it all up. And, and he, he, he says they know where Bright Hope, which is the name of the town they came from. He says they know where Bright Hope is, so I'm gonna I gotta take care of the rest of them so they don't come back. And you hear the one thing. Three... Sorry, the one thing. Sorry, the one thing he does say is something about tell my wife I love her. Yeah, it's actually this is actually pretty sweet because uh, Chicory's wife has died. She died a while ago, uh, not in this movie. Before the movie starts, obviously. Uh, and he says to Chicory, he says, tell my wife I love her and I'll say hello to your wife. And I'll say hello to yours, yeah. It's a, it's just a cool, I mean, that was a little sentimental, a little nice, but it's still, I don't know. I could have, I would, I would have, I wouldn't have complained if it did well, a little bit more. I want to know what you wanted. Like, well, did you, I'm not, I'm did not you want big. Chicory and Russell to hug and like <laughs> hug it out? The kiss I, on I the forehead? I don't know what I wanted. I just I'm going to miss you, would... old pal. Like, what did you want? These are old I, school cowboys. They got to go one way or the other. They either got to be stone-faced or they got to be overly sentimental. But it was just kind of flat. It just felt flat. Again, this is me nitpicking over a, a, a dumb scene in a movie that I absolutely love. So it didn't ruin the movie for me. It's just if I'm going to find a fault, that's it. I just, I'm just nitpicking at this point. Alan wanted Chicory to pull out an old uh, crocheted piece of uh, ornament that said <laughs> love forever and hand it's it over. Best friends forever. Best friends That's forever. So he could put it over his cut and he could die as it ble- as the blood seeps through the cloth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Steven Seagal would have done that. Uh, no, uh, but, I know, no, I but, know. I get you. I got you. But they're walking at home. They're walking, you know, starting the long journey home and you hear three gunshots. And that is, uh, we're assuming that's Kurt Russell finishing off the rest of the troglodytes. And now, then the yeah, movie ends. And that's, no, I mean, and I do like that. I actually like the, it is kind of cool too when you hear the three gunshots off in the distance, and Chicory kind of has a, a bit of a an expression on his face of of satisfaction in the sense that mm-hmm. the mission was fully accomplished. I kind of like that, you know. Yeah, I did too. My morbid side or my dark side would have been like, let's hear four. That's that's what I was waiting for. Honestly, I was waiting for the fourth shot, and it didn't come. So then the the final shot is Chicory throws a stone next to the trail. And we know earlier on, they were marking the trail with stones. So it was one stone earlier. They're marking with four, but is that a symbol that he's still alive? I mean, who knows at this point? Yeah. It's it definitely an open-ended. Yeah. Open-ended interpretation. 
Yeah. And I personally wanted the fourth one because I'm dark that way. Me too. Well, me too. I mean, it would have been fitting. But it's just like I also wanted the dynamite explosion and they didn't give us that either. I don't think. I thought, see, I thought they did. So now our facts, we got a fact check. I'm going to have to go back and look. And, uh, and it, could, it. it could just be me wanting it and in, yeah. my, in my eyes and in my ears hearing an explosion even though it never happened. It could be. <laughs> I'll just say this. Don't tell me there's dynamite and not use it. Just like Hitchcock said, you know, if there's a gun in act one, you got to use it by act two. Use the gun. Yeah, use the gun. Use the dynamite. I'm with you. Well, this is Bone Tomahawk. This was uh, this was an exciting film. I mean, this film to me, like I mentioned, has a bit of a slow start. And then in its own way, suddenly things start to pick up. And it, it really eventually, the end, turns into like an unlikely jaw-dropping experience. It's got, I liked the metamorphosis. So the concept of Western 20 minutes and then kind of Western and then kind of Western. And then all of a sudden, in some ways, like a light switch, boom, we're in a horror film. And I like that metamorphosis and I thought he did it well. Tell me, uh, give me a little bit of a summary for you, just overall impressions watching the film again and then throw that rating at me. Uh, I love, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm a broken record at this point. I love this movie. I think it's great. I think the casting was phenomenal. Uh, even Patrick Wilson. I know I, now that you said that everything I, I see him in, I'm going to think, Oh man, there's that smugness just right under the surface. But, uh, I actually <laughs> liked him in this role. Uh, I, I thought the casting was so good. I thought the, uh, the chemistry between the cast was done perfectly. They weren't, you know, lightened sparks with the chemistry, but it was just, it was confrontational enough and business-like enough, but there's also that camaraderie there. I just thought it was everything so expertly done. This was Zeller's, Zeller, I don't know how to say his name. I've been this saying his, Zeller, so let's yeah, go with it. it and then if I miss it, oh well. I, I think this is Zeller's first feature. Yep. Uh, and I think the writing, he wrote the script. I, I think the writing is phenomenal. I think... The direction is phenomenal. Obviously, I'm going on and on about the sound design. I'm, I'm kind of an audiophile, so I really appreciate that. Uh, and of course, the performances were fantastic. I love this movie. Just a couple little nitpicking things, you know, knocked it down a little bit, but not even that much. Uh, I can't, I think I gave Texas Chainsaw a nine. I can't go that high because I don't love it as much as I love Chainsaw, but I think I'm going to go. An 8.8 tinctures of opium. Ooh, that's good. That's good. I would yeah. say <clears throat> uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the legs of that, uh, you need a tincture of opium to watch the movie. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just <laughs> to, had to. to I had to come to in dull, with that. To dull the pain of the brutality. <laughs> no, th for real, that's exactly what you would need it for. Uh, there's a, yeah. lot of, a lot of stuff in there. Beautifully done. I think the, the movie also, one thing we didn't talk a whole lot about, uh, it, I think it's shot really well. Um, and one of the things I was reading about is it was shot in 21 days. Can you believe that? So that's, that's really short for, I think, for a movie kind of of this magnitude. And well, it's over two hours too. And imagine with that shooting schedule... And you're in those, you're in the elements. And a lot of the, the shots were, you know, these actors are being dragged through the dirt and they're laying in the bushes. And like, it's, that has to be a really tough shoot. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's filmed basically in Southern California in the mountains, and it looks like Paramount Ranch, probably somewhere up in Santa Clarita, which is just north of Hollywood. So it's just filmed in Los Angeles. That to me was one thing I didn't love atmospherically was I wanted, if you're talking Texas and New Mexico, there's definitely a different geographic taste to what those places no look like than Southern California. I could tell having lived there, those were Southern California mountains. Okay. Yeah. Um, those, I mean, I know that that's it, nitpicky though. Sure. I mean, they were looking at New Mexico and Utah as, as potential locations too. Um, I do know that definitely, obviously, you know, we're from Utah. I know Southern Utah, definitely not Southern Utah. And it's definitely, you can tell the films that are shot in those places. But I also think that if you're going to look, I mean, there's always that convenience factor. If you're given a budget of half a million dollars, that's all it was. It was a half a million dollars from what I'm oh, I read one. I read 1.8 million. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at box office. You're right. 1.8, which isn't an, which to, 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 it's not a whole lot of money. To be Especially honest, considering that cast, one thing that I'm curious about, which as a filmmaker, I'm always trying to, how did they, how did he do this? And I know he had written a film before he had been a screenwriter on a film, mm -hmm. but his directorial debut and he pulls in that cast. How do you do that on $1.8 million too? But how did he do that? Because the thing is a lot of these actors, especially these really well-versed seasoned actors, you have Russell and all these ones we've talked about. They're not usually inclined to work with first-time directors. Or so goes the lore, right? So right. <clears throat> that to me, uh, props to Craig Zaylor for getting such a phenomenal cast or hiring the right casting director, whatever he did. Well, and also, I mean, Patrick Wilson, I, The Conjuring came out in 2013. He was hot in 2015 when this, when this film was made. Smug you know, as ever. Smug as ever. <laughs> uh, but to get him, to get Kurt Russell, uh, to get Richard Jenkins, even though, you know, he's not an, like a super A-list Brad Pitt style guy. You know, he is a phenomenal actor who's very well known and been in a lot of films. And Matthew Fox, obviously, they may have got him on a discount rate because he's 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 well known for Lost. And I think that ended in like 08 or 2010 or something. Yeah, he doesn't like we said, he hasn't done a whole lot, but we wouldn't mind a little more of Matthew Fox. Yeah. This film uh, really, it, <clears throat> like I said, it's got the slow burn at the beginning, but it's, it kind of picks up. Uh, uh, very intriguing to me to kind of go with the hybrid effect of the Western and the horror. Seems like it'd be very hard to pull off if you were putting this movie together from the start and kind of conceptualizing the idea. You'd say, oh, I'm going to do a horror Western. Um how do I do that? I think uh, from that perspective, he does a really good job. Um, and I think, like you mentioned, I think the cast chemistry is good and and it's 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 believable. Like the characters feel like they are who they are and that they have some kind of relation and whatever that might be. Um, and so I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, like I mentioned before, I like the metamorphosis from Western to horror. Um you went with, what'd you go? Was your, is it 8.8? Well, you just going in high. I'm going in high, man. The, I love this movie. Uh, I don't I, think I, I've ever, we, we rarely get you in the, in the, in the high eights. The last little, the last little bit, man, we've been 
doing some good movies. I've enjoyed this, but I think I think Chainsaw. I think I went with nine. I can't go that high. But I like I said, I've seen this movie twice before. When I as soon as I turned it on this time, I got excited and I got like I it put me in a really good mood. As messed up as that sounds, my uh, I I had only I had never I hadn't seen the whole thing once through through. So I, what had happened was a few years ago. I was talking to my dad and my dad's like, there's this movie. I think at the time I, I could have sworn it was on Netflix. And he said, or somewhere, some streaming platform. He said, there's this movie called Bone Tomahawk. And my dad's not a, a gruesome type of guy. He doesn't like that uh-huh. kind of stuff. He's like, it was really good. He's like, it was really dark though. <laughs> yeah, very dark. And uh, he's like, but it was pretty good. And I remember watching it. And for some reason, I didn't get all the way through it. Of course, this viewing, I watched the whole thing. Um, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie, and I'm so impressed. The with first it. time you watched it, did did you watch? Did you get to the the scene? I didn't get to the final. Okay. Something. It, it's one of those okay. instances where something comes up and then you don't get back yeah. to it. So sure, it wasn't even sure. necessarily like I walked away, just kids or whatever it might have been. But so re-wa- this time around, you didn't you didn't know what was coming. Yeah, I didn't know the ending. Okay. All right. I didn't know the ending, and that's maybe why I was giving uh, harping on the beginning because I had seen it already, and so I was like, kind of like, Could okay, be. been there, done that. Sure. Um, but, but I liked the movie. I really did. Um, I liked the genre, uh, classification. Once again, drama, horror, Western, like it's got all those elements to it. Um, I'm impressed with Zayler's ability, like always again, like sometimes they hit, sometimes they hit it out of the park. Sometimes they don't first time director nails it. Right. So whether you like the story or you love the movie and I'll get into my rating in just a second, from that filmmaking perspective, the ability to tell a story visually like he's done here on your first go and the pressure that you must feel to perform with such high-end actors on your first go, uh, very impressive, very impressive. So um, his debut feature, I think it feels like uh, a a feature from a seasoned veteran uh, in terms of filmmaking. I enjoyed the film. Um, Rotten Tomatoes comes in at 91%. So, yeah. Yeah. The critics love it. That's the critics score. Yeah, that's good. I'm a little surprised. Audience is at 73. All right. So, still certified fresh. I'm surprised there's that much of a a discrepancy between the two. It kind of feels like a movie that both critics and audiences would would could enjoy, even if they don't love it. I would think they'd be closer together. Yeah, it never surprises me. I don't know. The critics are always interesting. I don't know how to ever interpret what they do. So the only one I yeah, ever good point kind of pay homage or listen to is is uh, uh, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Yeah. And partly because he just, it's simple and, and defined explanation of what his reasoning is. And I always liked that he just kind of simply put it, he'd give an explanation, an overview, and then he'd basically give you his critique and tell you why. And I always liked that. And it was very simple too. It was never convoluted. I, I have a lot of, I had a lot of respect for him too, because he actually made a film. So he knows what it takes. True. You know, it's, it's easy to criticize, but it's not so easy to actually do it. Absolutely. Um, so, and then, uh, 7.1 
out of 10 from IMDb. So that's a pretty good score. It seems, I feel like IMDb is always at the seven. It's always right around there. Yeah. No matter what it is. I'm going to come in at, you had an 8.8. I'm going to come in uh, a little bit lower than you. Um, Is this a film, once again, as you mentioned, is this a film that I would rewatch? The answer is yes. But then the follow-up question is, how many times? (laughs) And how, how... Space between view. How much space between viewings do you need? Exactly, because uh, there are certain movies I can watch over and over again. Other movies that, like you said, you need some spacing. This is probably one of those. But I'm going to come in just a little bit above IMDb. Uh, I'm at a seven point five. Wait, what was your what was your uh, tinctures of opium? Oh, I was almost copied you right there. It started, I knew it. It, started getting, I was, it started getting late and I started to go, wait, what did he say? Well, I, I, I thought about that before too. Like now I've got to the point now where I'm trying, while I'm watching the movie, I'm trying yeah. to figure out what I'm going to, like, what is my rating scale going to be? I'm going to go 7.5 bone pipes. Oh, I like that one. Uh, this AKA screeches. I like it. And not screeches like Saved by the Bell screeches. Screeches like... <laughs> <laughs> no one wants more than one of those. No one wants we don't any even want of a, those. Yeah, we don't even want a full one of those. With we just, Not even Zach and Slater wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so 7, 7.5 uh, bone pipes. And I feel like that's pretty good. That's kind of a... That's, that's a little bit... Maybe a little bit lower than... than uh, I, the other thing is this. One thing I want to say is I looked at his subsequent films. So he did one that I started watching and I'll continue to watch. I'll finish. Called uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99 with Vince Vaughn. What did you think in the little... little and so I've seen the first saw. 30 minutes. And once again, it's slow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And I'll, I'll finish it and, and, and I'll have a better idea. So maybe... It, it starts out, you know, like like Bone Tomahawk, where it's just slow, and that's his thing. One thing I love is he's his films definitely have a distinct nature of realism. It's yes. it, it's just real. Yep. There's no fluffery, you know. Which I I like that. I mean, it's 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 super easy to to add all these other elements that remind you that it's a movie, and I kind of I like. I like I, I respect anyone who can draw you in without needing that. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's not for everybody, and I don't want that in every film I watch. But if someone can do that, that's that's very that's a lot of talent right there. I will say I have not heard good things about Dragged Across Across Concrete, which is his the third, third. and latest film. I, I mean that's just from word of mouth. I don't know, but I've not heard good things. Well, I'll continue with Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's got, for me, he's also got that bit of a, and I think you hit the nail on the head, which is basically like a, a, a almost, I don't want to say documentary style because it's not a documentary. It's very cinematic, mm-hmm. but it's very cinema verite. You're basically feeling like a fly on the wall. You're observing what's happening. It feels like it's actually historical or real. Yep. Even though, of very course, well it's said. a completely made up movie. Yeah. Um, so. Well said. 
I, I like that he does that. Um, and I like the, the film overall. So any last parting words for Bone Tomahawk for the No, for go the watch listeners? it. Go, go watch it. Tom- I mean, even if, even if you're not into a lot of violence and stuff, it's not violent throughout the whole thing. There's some hard parts, but I, I highly recommend this one. I, I love this movie. I will second that and tell everybody that listening that you should go check it out. If you don't have a stomach for particular things of violence, uh, there are areas of the film that you're going to want to want to jump through. But I even still think with that, there's some entertaining factors to it. And it's overall a good story. So go check it out. This is the Tame Aperture podcast, Gabe and Allen, And uh, go check us out at TameAperture.com. Look at our previous episodes. Also give us suggestions on uh, future episodes on things we can watch. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening and we'll check you next time. Thanks, everybody. Tame Aperture signing out. The Tame Aperture podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify and YouTube.